and welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about season three, episode 18, Earshot. Yes, we are. Uh, I don't have any announcements this week. Instead, I have a big old disclaimer. Uh, Most of you probably know what I'm going to say, but just in case anyone has forgotten what episode this is, we're about to be talking a lot about mass murder, school shootings, and suicide in this episode. So if any of those subjects are triggering for you, we understand, we love you, and we will see you next week. We absolutely understand, especially in light of just the way things have not have not changed since 1999. Okay, earshot. Uh, So I actually found two different air dates for this, neither of which were when it was originally supposed Mm -hmm. to air. Um, The TV Guide site told me that it was first shown on July 13th, 1999, and the Buffy Wiki told me it was aired September 21st. Yeah, I I read that it was after... The finale is when they... Yeah, so I don't know if they showed it sometime during the summer. I don't know if they showed it right before season four. I honestly do not remember. I just remember it being on its own. Yeah. Um, Either way, we do know that it did not air in its original spot, which was April 27th. Uh, The reason for this being the Columbine High School Massacre, which took place a week earlier on April 20th. Yep. So I am going to try and very, very briefly do this as uh, this is a subject no one likes to talk about. And as we have said before on many things, there are bound to be other podcasts that have covered it in more depth and detail than we really have time for here. Uh, But for anyone who may not know or who, like us, wasn't a high schooler in the 90s because this was a huge deal when it happened. Uh, Columbine High School is located in Columbine, Colorado. Uh, oddly enough and completely unrelated in 1927 there was also a mine massacre that occurred having to do with like labor relations but that's neither here nor there it's just something the wiki told me uh so april 20th two 12th grade students murdered 12 students and one teacher before ultimately killing themselves uh in addition to these deaths 21 other people were injured either by their gunfire or gunfire exchange with the police Though several reasons were floated around about why the two did this, video games, goth culture, Marilyn Manson, no solid reason was ever discovered. Yeah, I'm actually going to recommend reading uh, a book just called Columbine by Dave Cullen. Um, Also, uh, the podcast, last podcast on the left has a really great series I love that you can always come in here with like the other stuff that did this. It's great. Like I, people don't even have to go look for it. Yeah. Yeah. Last podcast on the left did a lot of their research from Dave Cullen's book. Um, it really goes in depth into a lot of it and kind of debunking a lot of what our culture has believed about Columbine and about the two kids who did it. So absolutely, I recommend it. I know last podcast can be a little abrasive for some people, um, 
But Marcus, one of the hosts, his research into it is top notch. And if you don't want to listen to that, definitely go read Dave Cullen's book because he really does go so in depth into what happened. Yeah, because like like you just said with the debunking, there are a ton of conspiracy theories yeah. and rumors that went around both about the killers and about the victims. Yeah, the whole thing about the girl like being asked if she believed in God. Yeah, and I was gonna say I don't remember if we touched on this during Gingerbread when we talked about the sensationalization. Yeah, sensationalization of tragedy. Yeah, yeah, because a lot oh. of a lot of what happened was a lot of, and there's even a TikToker now. Um, I can't remember his name. There is a, a one of the kids who was there, who was who saw everything happened, has a TikTok account and he does talk about it. And he talks about the way that his this tragedy was used by certain corners of society as a narrative. And it's something that's still is being used like you see so much with Westboro Baptist Church says kids die because we are a godless nation like this shit should not still be happening and the fact that the thing that so many of our generation remembers is Columbine we are so angry that we have to see this happening you know I have a I have a son who is now 10 years old he was a little baby when Newtown happened, you know, it's when Sandy Hook happened. So it's just it makes me insane. But yeah, that is neither here nor there. There again, there are other people that are more equipped to discuss this instead of us just yelling at yeah. our yeah. <laughs> at our. Like, yeah, because like you said, this, this, this was something that we vividly remember because this was also the incident that changed a lot of school policies. Mm hmm. A lot of schools had to go to clear backpacks for a while. A lot of schools instituted new IDs, metal detectors, security guards. Like this is what started. And this is where this is where we, you know, during the first part, you know, the up until this, you know, this point this happened, you see us laughing about how people can just come and go in Sunnydale High. Yeah. And that's how it was. You could just walk into school. Yeah, this was this was the first wave that stopped that. And then 9-11 was the second Mm -hmm. that like shut everything down. Yeah. And I mean, when they built when they built the new elementary school that my son goes to, you have a locked door and you go into a little foyer area and then you have to go off into the office before you can even do anything. So it's yeah, like and with all of these shootings, that's what it is. And the fact that our children have to go through lockdown drills it's it's just it's just crazy i'm yeah anyway yeah so you can you guys can kind of see why the network was a bit hesitant to put this on the air immediately following even though you know the conclusion ends up not being and it's the same it's not as yeah it's not as big of the story and and the thing is because it came out around the time that it happened. I feel like in our memories, that part of it feels like it was a bigger part of the yeah the thing. It, it does. Like watching it as an adult, I realized that like, oh, this part wasn't as big a part of the story as I remembered it being because it mm-hmm. was a huge thing that they pulled this. Yeah, because it's, it's very rare for an episode of something to be pulled. But because it just so happened that 
it kind of aligned with the timing. I mean, it was and very I mean, bad timing wise. Yeah. I mean, there is like the sense of panic that goes with it. And I mean, it was a high school. It was the demographic of this show mm-hmm. that had just been put through this horrible tragedy. And of exactly. course, they were, like, we're not going to make these kids who are trying to like forget this thing that happened to them watch something where the main fear is somebody's going to kill them. Happening. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's it's very understandable why the the network pulled it. But okay, our synopsis. After Buffy defeats a telepathic demon, she acquires the ability to read minds and overhears someone's plan to kill everyone in the school. But she is soon overwhelmed by her new power and finds it difficult to track down the would-be killer. What do we have? We have international titles, don't we? Oh, we do. We actually do. I'm very excited. Yeah, I only had to take I only had to take one out. That was Earshot. So in Armenian, we have voices in Czech on Earshot, Finnish hearing, French inner voices. I like that. German foreign thoughts. I, I'm trying not to laugh through this next one because I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know why. But in Polish, we have secrets of healthy skin. Because of the thing. I know, the itching, the itching, but it... it, And that's going to be our title right there. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, it was, and I even, I even did just a little bit more of a look into it to see if there was just something with the translation of it. And no, it was Secrets of Healthy Skin. So in Portuguese from Brazil, we have The Reach of the Voice. Ooh. Romanian is Near. Okay. Russian is Voice. Okay. Spanish from Latin America is auditory reach, and Spanish from Spain is the reach of the ear. Okay. Yes. But yes, Secrets of Healthy Skin. I love Secrets of Healthy Skin. That's my favorite. (laughs) I I think it's just going to be hilarious to see that pop up in the feed. Yes. I think it is. And and people not like know what it means until they get to this part. So we do get a previously on this week, basically just recapping the events of enemies and reminding us that A, faith has turned to the dark side, B, the ascension will take place on graduation day, and C, Buffy and Angel are on a break. (laughs) We were on a break. Then we're dropped right in the middle of the action, Buffy sprinting across the playground, trying to put some distance between her and the demons pursuing her. She stumbles on a curb, falling by one of the swing sets and using her apparent helpless state to draw the demons in. She kicks the one closest to her, getting to her feet and pulling a knife. After a bit of a struggle, she gets one down on the picnic table and stabs him. The other runs off. As Buffy puts her knife away, we see some of the demon blood, venom, goo, whatever, got on her hand and is now sinking into her skin. Credits. Still off. I do like how she makes a comment about how she intentionally fell. I do like that. Good job, yeah, Buffy. You can't, you can't resist a stumble. We return from the credits to Sunnydale High, where Willow and Buffy are entering the library and discussing the events of the night before. Buffy tells Willow that while one demon got away, the other is a big old check in the slate column. Willow says the whole no mouse thing is creepy. She doesn't like it. And Buffy says that at least with no mouths, there's no teeth, unless they have them other places. <laughs> On that disturbing thought, they take a seat. And Giles comes out of the bookcage to greet them. Seems he and the boys got an early start, or are still there from last night. <laughs> They've been looking into the Ascension, and what do they know? Xander, looking up from his book, says, what don't they know? Before telling <laughs> Giles to tell her. Given the date, 
and what they know of the mayor, his being impervious and all, he has been able to cross-reference, and Xander says that Giles is a cross-referencing fool. (laughs) Ignoring that, Giles says he's mostly been able to rule out things. The ascension is not the ritual flaying of the demon Azeroth, nor is it the... Honestly, he has no clue what's going to happen. (laughs) Oz, disappointed, points out that that was rather anticlimactic. So that's it. They know nothing. The whole faith angel thing was for nothing. We should note that while she speaks, Buffy is itching the hand that got demon goo on it. No, no. Angel's charade gave them info that they did not previously have. Info that will help as they work to determine what the ascension is. Giles just needs. Wesley quickly hurries in, taking his place besides Giles. (laughs) So sorry. He was detained. Official council business. But anyway, Giles was speaking. He tells Wesley that he was just updating Buffy on the progress he made regarding the Ascension. To which Wesley replies, what took up the rest of the minute? Rude, Wesley! Wesley, you need to chill out. You are being a butt. But Giles, he just mutters a touche before reminding Wesley that his work is unofficial. He's sure that with the resources of the council, Wesley will have something of value to add. Yes, well, Wesley can say with certainty that the demon Asarath will not in any way be... The gang just gets up and leaves. Having heard all this before and realizing that Wesley knows nothing more than they do. As they walk out, he calls out to them, assuring them that they will know more soon. Then he sits and Giles, Giles just looks so satisfied. Demon Azeroth? In the hall, the gang meanders towards class. Well, Buffy and Willow meander towards class. By the way of Willow's locker. (laughs) Because first they lose Oz, and then they lose Xander. Willow wants to know if Buffy's talked to Angel lately. And no. Seeing him bad, and with faith, it hurts. Yeah, but he was only pretend bad, and he only kissed Faith to gain what they needed. Still, it looked like he was having fun. Or maybe he wasn't. Maybe he hated it. Buffy just wishes she could know for certain. Willow says, as always, she advises her to ask. Does she think he'd tell her? Before Willow can answer, there's some commotion from down the hall. The basketball players have arrived, and everyone is rushing to greet them. Something Xander just can't understand. Everyone thinks they're so great. Just because they put a ball in a hoop. Of course, the moment one says his name, he changes his tune. Because they know who he is. Stepping in front of Willow's locker, Percy says he's going to have to miss their study session. Did he do the reading? Some of it. But he promises to finish it during lunch. The fear of Vamp Willow put in him is still going strong. I love the callback to that episode with Percy. Like, still keeping that as a through line. The other player, Hogan, says he does not know what Willow is doing to Percy, but it's working. He heard him speak in complete sentences earlier. (laughs) Clauses and everything. As they depart, Percy makes Willow promise to come to the game. Game? Buffy didn't know Willow was into basketball. Willow didn't either, but lately she's been getting into it, especially now that they're in the championships. It's very exciting. Willow says it's too bad that Buffy's patrolling because everyone's going. Her, Oz, Xander... As Willow heads off, Buffy itches her hand again, saying, yeah, everyone who's not Buffy. This time, Buffy notices she's itching her hand. And so we head to Giles's office. But real quick, fun fact, Hogan was named after a gymnast at Jane Espenson's old high school. Oh, okay. Yeah, so she she pulled that name from someone she actually knew. I love, I do love when, when creators do that, when they take names from people that they knew. 
Looking through a book, Giles confirms that Buffy touched the demon. Yeah, but not in a bad way. (laughs) A good way. Still, the spot's been itching like crazy. Showing her the book, Giles asks that if this is the demon she encountered. And the disgusting flash. Huh. It says that this particular demon can infect their hosts. In fact, (laughs) Giles sits down and Buffy stares at him. In fact, (laughs) Giles. What? Giles doesn't have much more info than that, just that the demon infects the host with an aspect of the demon. An aspect of the demon. Buffy studies the text as if there was something Giles missed, because she really hopes it's not the outside. Giles tells her that her hand could be unrelated. It could be something as simple as a new fabric softener. (laughs) But in the meantime, perhaps she would be better off not pursuing the one that got away, minimizing her exposure. Outside, there is a pep rally in full swing. Cordelia and the other cheerleaders putting on a show, pumping up the players and the crowd. But Buffy and the others, they're not moved by it. Not one bit. In fact, Buffy's pretty sure it's lame. Oz disagrees. He usually likes lame things. And this is leaving him flat. (laughs) Willow says that according to the school paper's latest editorial, pep rallies only exist for girls to whip men into sexual frenzies, something Xander does not see a problem with. Willow thinks the school paper has become downright depressing as of late. Anyone else notice that? Not Oz. He always goes straight to the obits. (laughs) Which is so funny. Yeah. Consider, you know... Considering this school. Sunnydale High has to have its own obituary section. (sighs) Yes. And I do like the idea of this weird fringe newspaper. Like Freddie's like Freddie's whole thing. And the fact that that Freddie has his own office. Yeah. Like I our our newspaper at school was just held in the library. So I guess you can hold it in the library of Sunnydale, because there's already stuff going on there. We ran ours out of the computer room. But yeah, Freddie, way to go, Freddie, for having your own. And, and it's it's his office. Like, it has past issues. It looks like an actual le- editor's office. Puffy runs a hand along her hair, and Willow asks what she's doing. Nothing. Definitely not checking for horns. <laughs> she runs off, and Willow follows. Willow's sure Giles is wrong about the whole demon thing. He's totally burnt out. Between Faith and the whole Ascension thing, honestly, Willow doesn't think he's doing his best work. What if he's right? She might grow some demon part, and they don't have any idea what it could be. Claws or scales or... Willow looks horrified, and Buffy immediately checks herself for scales. (laughs) That's not it. It's... What if it was a boy demon? I know. Oh, Willow. Don't like make Buffy worry about that. Oh, oh, Willow. This is why we love you. We go back to the rally and to Xander and Oz. The mascot this time around is actually kind of cute. Yes. And Xander remarks that the cheerleaders are very good at their jobs. Oz says their spelling has definitely improved. All this beauty, it makes him wonder why he ever wasted time with Cordelia. She's no better looking than the rest of them. <clears throat> Oz doesn't really feel any of them are his type. (laughs) And he's trying to say as much when Xander catches Wesley watching Cordelia. (laughs) Again, Wesley, just hanging around school in broad daylight. Yeah. Xander is appalled. He has his pierced Brosnan eyes all over Xander's Cordy. Aww. I know. I know. Oz says Xander really is a complex man. (laughs) Back with Buffy and Willow, Buffy admits she's scared. There's this thing inside her that she can't find, can't see. What if it changes her? And not just the way she looks. 
All of a sudden, she could be something that isn't her anymore. Looking back over, Willow quickly cheers as Buffy looks confused. They spelled Percy. She needs to show support. He's needy. <laughs> I love how she I love how she treats Percy like he's her kid. Right? It's really super cute. Yeah, like she even called him her little trooper. Yeah. Yeah. But she heard what Buffy's saying and she's sure she's fine. Buffy doesn't look so certain. And so does the sad, lonely walk home later that evening. Possibly from patrols, it looks like she has on different clothes. Mm -hmm. Pausing for a moment, she checks her reflection in the compact, relieved that she still has a mouth. However, when she closes that compact and turns to keep walking, Angel is there. Being a creeper as usual. And apologizing for startling her. It's fine. She didn't see him. So of course she should have figured he was there. So what is he doing there? It's a dangerous time and all. With Faith, he wanted to make sure she was okay, safe. And does his being here mean Faith's around? Is he tracking her or tracking Faith? He's tracking her. Buffy, I I know you don't mean for this all to sound creepy, but it sounds really creepy. It really, it does. Yeah. Angel says something's bothering her and she admits a lot of things are. Right now, it's mostly the steaming. It touched her and now she's going to grow bumpies or a tail. Angel tells her it may not be true. It's just a rumor and demons like to exaggerate their abilities. Demon hype. Maybe, but maybe not. Doesn't matter, though. She spends most of her time in the dark anyway. Not like she's out having fun at a game with her friends or anyone else that could see her new demon parts. You know, she could have gone to the the pep rally. She's taken... Styles told her not to pursue the other demon. Yeah, she's taken... She's taken nights off before to do things. Like, I know she is just in her head... She about is. all this i i know that that's what it is and she's in the whole i'm gonna grow a demon part nobody look at me type thing yeah but you could you could have gone to the basketball game buffy yeah you could have done a quick loop before and a quick loop after yeah angel promises that he is not going to let anything happen to her that whatever happens he's there with her he loves her even covered in slime <laughs> she liked that up into the slime part We return to Sunnydale High the next morning, and that same stock shot from Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. Entering the student lounge, Willow is all abuzz about the game, and the winning shot made just as the buzzer was going off. Oz admits it was intense, and Xander says he thinks he almost saw Oz make an expression. (laughs) He did feel one coming on. He won't lie. Willow can't believe the jump shot made by Hogan. They should call him the jumper, or, you know, something not women's clothing. (laughs) Xander starts to talk about another moment in the game, but Willow shushes him. Buffy's coming. She joins the group, noting their sudden silence. So either they lost or they won and they don't want Buffy to feel bad. They won. But, you know, it wasn't a big deal. Just a bunch of tall guys with hoops. Pretty dull. Walking by them, Cordelia asks if they're nuts. The game was intense. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) She's never cheered so hard in her life. (laughs) And she still has knee marks on her back. (laughs) Off their look, she reminds them they're from the pyramid. As she heads off, Willow again tries to make it seem like Buffy didn't miss out on anything. And besides, she was patrolling, which is way more important. Buffy says she did think she saw a four-legged demon, but it was just a dog. Where dog? Regular. Tough luck. Behind the group, Cordelia's talking to some of the other girls, and Xander can't help but occasionally look in her direction. As he does, he wonders to himself about whether or not Cordelia and Wesley have kissed. Overhearing it, dun dun dun. Ooh. Buffy responds aloud. It bothers him, huh? Cordelia and Wesley? Xander tells her she read his mind. 
in the expression-y sort of way. He has no reason to assume that Buffy actually did so. Buffy, however, she does realize what just happened. Walking down the hall, Buffy begins to hear more and more what others are thinking. The teacher who is over all the students. The so-called nerd who swears one day he's going to be a tech mogul. The girl complaining to herself about French class. And all the nasty teenage boy thoughts. Oh, so many, so many teenage boy thoughts. Honestly, that's always, that's always what I thought would be the worst part about being in high school and being able to read minds is being able to read the teenage boy minds. Those send her running straight to the library. Is this it? The aspect of the demon she inherited? Because if so, it is way better than a tail. The running motif of Buffy worrying about a tail Mm -hmm. is a nod to the fact that the creator hated when demons had tails like the telepathic ones do because he thought they never looked realistic. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the 90s when you have prosthetics and everything. Tails just didn't work. And you know what? Tails are tails are weird to begin with. Yeah. Tails rarely look good anyway. Giles tells her to slow down, that what is going on may not be true mind reading. She may just be projecting. Interrupting, Buffy tells him that when she walked in, he was thinking about her shoes, how impractical they were, and how if a fashion magazine told her to, (laughs) she'd wear cats strapped to her feet. Buffy's clearly accurate in what she gleaned because his next thoughts are about how the demons are telepathic, something he should have known given their lack of mouths. He starts to tell Buffy, but she tells him that she knows. She heard him thinking it. Giles says this is astounding. Buffy tells him it was happening in the hall. Principal Snyder has walked like an Egyptian stuck in his head. And the boys in this school, they are seriously disturbed. (laughs) It's weird. Buffy knows that. But think about what she could do with it. Giles agrees. It could be very useful. She could anticipate an opponent's every move, turn their plan against them. Oh, no. Buffy says it's way better than that. (laughs) But before we go to Buffy's plan, walk like an Egyptian. Yes. It is a song recorded by the Bangles and released in 1986 as a part of their Different Light album. It was also the band's first number one single. Apparently, the lyricist was inspired to write it while on a ferry crossing the English Channel. The boat hit some choppy waters, and so everyone was walking around with their arms out to steady them, which reminded them of the way people were depicted in ancient Egyptian tomb paintings. Super fun song. One of my personal favorites. We'll pop it up on the socials this week. Yeah. And also the fact that it was stuck in somebody's head. Not surprising. But back to Buffy. She's in class and using her newfound abilities to score some participation points, reading her classmates' minds, and then answering the questions before they can. It leaves Willow more than a little confused. Not only did Buffy apparently do the reading, she understood the reading. It's a (laughs) comment Buffy tries not to be insulted by. Xander's also a little freaked out, wondering when Buffy studied and if he was supposed to study. <laughs> yes. And you know, he finds the teacher hot. Then she hears Freddy. Freddy thinking about how all the other students are scrambling for praise like breadcrumbs. She asks Willow about him and Willow says he works on this cool paper. Writes the editorials. Buffy goes back to listening to class, answering their teacher's latest question with her own thought. A quote from her dissertation paper. So we probably should mention that in the class, they're talking about the Shakespeare play Othello and more specifically the villainous aspect, the more the villainous character Iago, Mm -hmm. his motivations and why Othello believes him so easily. So they do say this in the episode and it is completely, completely true that 
It is because Iago represents Othello's darker half. His doubts, his fears, uh, like the fact that his wife has been unfaithful. And so the teacher mentions something about how they all have these inner Iagos, which presses Buffy to go see Angel at the mansion. This was entirely intentional, the parallel between Othello and Buffy. So originally, the writers had put in the script uh, Henry the Seventh, one of the Henrys, <laughs> and Catcher in the Rye uh, as options. But the creator actually went in and rewrote this scene and changed it to Othello so that it could tie into what Buffy was feeling. And I think this is actually kind of apparent later, because when we see Cordelia question the other teacher, he's erasing notes about one of the Henrys from the board. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of see, like, I don't know if they shot the scene and then the creator decided he didn't like it, or if having that up there is just a nod to one of the other plays they wanted to use. But yeah, like they were very clear on, like, it has to be Othello because... This is all about inner thoughts yeah. and inner yeah. feelings. And Othello is a great play for that. It is. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good one. That's a good parallel. I mean, and one of the great parts about Shakespeare is how easily adaptable it is into modern movies and storytelling. Just because the themes that he uses are so universal. And even if you're not doing a direct adaptation of it, you know, it it they really are timeless stories that can be done as she enters the mansion she nearly hits angel with a sunbeam and so quickly apologizes about that and the daylight but she ducked out of school and in daytime is when they have that he looks good though he looked good last night also it's just sometimes things can change real quick really quickly there she goes talking like faith not that faith was so bad to have around before the evil and she was damaged a lot of trauma, which a protective type person might be drawn to. Buffy's rambling, clearly fishing, but Angel's giving her nothing. <laughs> Eventually, he flat out tells her she can't get into his head. What? Why would he think she was trying to? Why not? Angel says it's kind of like with mirrors. Thoughts are there, but they cast no reflection in another person. So she got her aspect of the demon. Yeah, Giles isn't sure how long it's going to last, but it's okay. A little headachey. Angel tells her she doesn't need to play games with him. Ever. He's not exactly Joe, here's what I'm thinking. Then ask him. Oh, but that would have made sense. <laughs> what does she want to know about? Faith? Would it felt like kissing her? Pretending to have no soul? Watching Buffy suffer? Well, since he brought it up, Angel says he hated hurting her more than she will ever know. Buffy would understand, though, about Faith. She's got that whole bad girl thing going for her. He didn't enjoy kissing Faith. And he doesn't want a bad girl. He's done that. He's lived a long time and he's over it. He's been with dozens of girls like Faith. More. Buffy frowns. This honesty stuff is fun. Ooh. <laughs> Angel continues. There's no comparison. 243 years, he's loved one person. I call bullshit on that. Mm-hmm. But okay. Okay, Because Angel. I'm sorry. I, I do believe that Angel or Angelus, whatever. Like, maybe Angel has loved one person. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think Liam loved anyone. Oh, no. I believe that Angelus in some way loved Darla. Yeah, yeah. No, Liam just liked like Drusilla was a toy to him, but he loved Darla. Mm -hmm. But that also that also goes back to our conversation with are vampires truly capable of love, which again, we agree. But yeah, I think he definitely, as Angel, only has one love. Buffy scoots closer. It's her, right? Angel says next time. 
Just ask. He also tells her to be careful with this gift because a lot of things that seem good and strong and fun end up being not. Oh, like immortality? Exactly. (laughs) Angel's dying to get rid of that. Funny. Angel says he's a funny guy. Back at school, Xander is very disturbed. Puffy can read their minds. Their every impulse and fantasy. Everyone. Xander continues to be worried about this as Cordelia both thinks and says that this really doesn't have anything to do with her. (laughs) Willow thinks it's neat, though. Or at least she says it's neat. Especially as Buffy mentions besting Nancy in English class. Internally, Willow is freaking out. Puffy's barely human now. She doesn't need Willow. How is she supposed to be Buffy's friend? Puffy assures Willow she will always need her. And Courtney wants to know what is Puffy talking about? She is seriously creepy right now. Giles says there must be some sort of precedence. This having happened before. He'll get on the research with Wesley. As they talk, Buffy tunes in to Oz and Xander's thoughts. Oz's are very prolific about how he is his thoughts and that if they exist in Buffy, then she becomes him. He ceases to exist. Xander's are typical teenage boy thoughts. Sex. His attempting not to think about sex, but always coming back to sex. His teenage boy. (laughs) Causes Buffy to ask if that is all he thinks about. Actually, bye. <laughs> it's like my favorite moment. He just like scrambles out of that chair. He he runs. He runs so fast. Like <laughs> I love I love Oz's thoughts here. Oh yeah. Just because it's one of those things where somebody who says very little does have a lot of thoughts and Uh they are very sparing with what they actually say, but they do have a lot going on there. And also this goes to show just how smart Oz is. Like we know he is super smart. He's just one of those kids that didn't apply themselves. Xander flees and Wesley turns to address the group. Xander has just illustrated something. Chances are everyone is going to be thinking about what they least want Buffy to hear. It's a matter of mental discipline. Giles agrees, and Wesley, he starts thinking about Cordelia. And then trying not to think about Cordelia, as she is a student, and that makes him bad. Bad, bad man. Oh, God. Buffy is just enjoying the hell out of this. (laughs) And when Wesley realizes she knows, he just finds an excuse to leave. Willow wants to know what it's like. Buffy says it's like... All these doors are opening. Doors to all these tiny little worlds. She can just walk right in. Oz's thoughts continue. He doesn't exist and no one else does either. (laughs) Buffy is all of them. They think, so she thinks. Willow then begins to realize that with this power, Buffy is going to learn a lot of new things. Like what Oz is thinking. (laughs) Willow never knows what Oz is thinking. Soon Buffy is going to know Oz better than Willow. Buffy tells Willow please not to think that. And she says she can't help it right before she takes off. Look, look, Buffy. Look, look, Willow. I, I know you're worried about Buffy knowing everything that you're still not. She's still not going to know Oz any better because no. his thoughts are going to be his thoughts are all over the place. This leads Oz to say that if no one needs him, he's going to follow the redhead. So, yes, Oz's thoughts. I Like you just said, it's, <laughs> it's so funny to hear his like inner dialogue, which is very deep. Again, completely intentional. Uh, They're very Descartes in nature. And again, this is something the creator was very firm on. He said he wanted Oz's inner dialogue to sound like something Nietzsche would say. Mm -hmm. Buffy guesses she won't be writing a book on winning friends through telepathy. 
bored, Cordelia wonders when she can leave before asking if she can leave. I love that we're seeing that what Cordelia thinks and what Cordelia says are exactly the same thing most of the time because it lines up with her philosophy from season two that tact is just saying not true stuff. Popping his head out, Wesley asks if Buffy can hear him thinking in the office. He could go out into the hall. Buffy says it's fine. He can stay. She's going to go. She's starting to get a headache anyway. Giles looks a bit concerned as Buffy departs, heading down the hallway, which is a sea of voices, Buffy tapping into everyone's thoughts. Looking through his book, Giles does find another instance, a rather recent one, actually, in Ecuador. There was a man who came in contact with one of those demons. Can they call him? Why, did he die? No, he's in complete isolation. No outside contact. The power... He was never able to shut it off. Like the hallway, the cafeteria is nothing but voices. Voices everywhere. As a very disgruntled cafeteria lady, serves Buffy and Jonathan. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, Jonathan. Mashed potatoes. (laughs) Wanting to know if Buffy is done, Jonathan gets his potatoes thinking about how Buffy doesn't even notice he exists. She tries to find a table, wandering about, but the voices just keep building, piling on top of one another, overwhelming her. She shuts her eyes, trying to block them out, and for a moment she does, allowing one voice to come in loud and clear. This time tomorrow, I'll kill you all. It causes Buffy to drop her tray, earning a sarcastic round of applause, and she quickly goes from student to student, trying to zero in on their thoughts and locate the voice she just heard. God, I remember being such a dick in high school when somebody would drop a tray or anything and you'll applaud for them. Or, or or smooth move X-Lax. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, my God. God, teenagers are dicks. Right? Nothing seems to match, and the voices are starting to build again. Build and build until Buffy passes out right there in the middle of the cafeteria. She comes to outside with the gang standing over her, all of them wondering if she's okay. As she opens her eyes, Cordelia tells her that she told them not to move her. That they probably severed her spinal cord. Buffy's okay, though, and with Giles' help, she sits, telling him that there's a killer in the cafeteria. See? Xander's been telling them for years how the lunch lady is going to do them all in with that mulligan stew. Cordy scolds him with a Xander, but he continues, What's a mulligan? (laughs) Well, Xander, let me tell you. Mulligan is a very common Irish last name. Mm -hmm. And so a mulligan stew is basically an Irish stew made mostly of meat, potatoes, vegetables, and whatever else can be begged for, bargained for, or stolen. As during the Great Depression, this meal staple was also known as hobo stew. The more you know. Yes. That's always like, I liked explaining to my little froglet what shepherd's pie, like why shepherd's pie was a thing. Like it's basically just... We've got all this shit left over, so we are going to throw it all together. Yep. And it is delicious. It is delicious. I love anything where you just throw a bunch of shit in a pot or a pan and mix it up as food. That's that's the best way to do it. Buffy tells them that someone was thinking it. That she heard someone think about how this time tomorrow they'll all be dead. She has to find them. Did she recognize a voice? Well, no. Was it a boy or a girl? She doesn't know. It barely sounded human. It was so full of anger, of pain. She begins to head back towards the school, but stops as a wave of thoughts hit her. She recoils, and Giles is there to help steady her. She has to find them. Is she even sure the voice meant it? Yeah. 
Xander delivers a line that I am 90% certain is the reason this episode got moved. Mm-hmm. And today would never actually be allowed to make it to air, remarking about who hasn't idly thought about taking everyone out with a semi-automatic. They look at him and he reminds them he said idly. Again, we were a lot more cavalier about yeah. some things in the 90s, even things we really shouldn't have been. Yeah. And this and also what people have to also remember is that all of this was written and produced before Columbine happened. Yeah. Like it's and like we'll get another like couplet of dialogue later that it is actually kind of really eerie. Yeah. That this was meant to air right after that happened because this would have been written months earlier. Yeah. So everything, everything that happened in this episode, there was no knowledge of Columbine at that point. So honestly, like you said, it is very eerie how close this is to a thing that didn't even happen yet. Yeah. Because hold on. I'm just going to take a, I'm curious. Yeah, because the last shooting before... Oh my God, I got to keep scrolling up. (laughs) Seriously? Hold on. The answer might be there has never been. Oh, wow. I was trying to figure out when there was... Because, I mean, there have sadly been school shootings for basically as long as there has been American public schools. Oh, yeah. Sometimes they're not all mass shootings. Sometimes it was somebody going in after a specific teacher or kids having made a suicide pact. But yeah, I'm in the 60s and I can't find what... Yeah, the last one that had a count even near, actually greater than Columbine, but even near Columbine was 1966. Yeah. Until then, it's all like one, two, five. You're not getting a body count in the double digits. So the last time that it happened had been the 60s. Yeah, and especially especially the way that it happened. Yeah, so like, again, th- this this was a huge deal because this was the first en masse one that had happened in about 30 years. Yeah. So yeah, we, we were a little bit more cavalier about stuff like that. Yeah, and I mean, there, you know, you know, it was the same way in the 90s where, again, you had... We were very cavalier about a lot of shit. Yeah. You know, again, not that it was a good thing, but, you know, you talked about postal workers going postal because, you know, of a few things. So, yeah, we, we've we learned a lot in the intervening years. But, yeah, we really, we were really flipping about a lot of shit in the 90s. Buffy says she knows the difference. He, she, whoever, they meant it. They're going to do it. The gang starts thinking about how horrible it is, how tired Buffy looks, and she tells them to shut up. She's sorry, but she needs them to not think so loud or so much. Giles thinks she needs to go home. He'll take her. Okay, no, wait, the cafeteria. She needs them to make a list of everyone in there. Right, all the students. They got it. Buffy says Nancy was there. She's kind of scary. Oh, and don't forget the faculty. One of the teachers, he said something about getting rid of the students. As Giles leads her away, Buffy says she can't shut it off. It's like there's all these people in her head just walking around without permission. She can't be around people anymore. What is she going to do? Giles says that he and Wesley are working on it. That They'll come up with something. But she'll be okay, right? Even if it doesn't go away? As Giles goes to open the car for Buffy, Buffy catches his thoughts. Specifically that if it doesn't go away... She'll go insane. Oh, poor Buffy. In the library, 
Willow is taking charge. <laughs> They've made a list of everyone in the cafeteria, and she's going to run it against the FBI database. See if anyone matches with the known characteristics of mass murderers. Xander just can't believe someone is planning to gun everyone down for no reason. And again, we get dialogue that directly related to why this episode was originally pulled. Looking at Xander, Cordelia responds, Yeah, because that's never happened before in American high schools. And Oz remarks that it's becoming downright trendy. <sighs> yeah, looking back now, that that is not only horrified, but like we just said, it it's a little eerie. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And it really is. It's, yeah. I mean, and this, this episode, really, it's not the best. It's not a great episode. It's, this episode would not be memorable if it weren't for that minor bit of the episode like it's just and it's not and like the whole the whole shooting part isn't even the way that it's going to turn out no (sighs) yeah i bet i I really would have loved to have been in that office after columbine happened and everybody just going oh fuck yeah like what the fuck well it points out on top of all that, Sunnydale High is kind of the center of evil, so they should probably get to work. They have until lunchtime tomorrow, they hope. At the Summer's house, Joyce is tucking Buffy into bed, telling her that she looks better already, and doing everything possible to avoid being beside Buffy for too long. Extra pillow, extra blanket. Does she want soup? Chicken and stars? Buffy says she's fine, and asks her mom to sit with her. Something Joyce is clearly hesitant to do. She has laundry. Why is she? She has <laughs> sex with Giles? Uh, she has sex with Giles. It, w- it was the candy. They were teenagers. On the hood of a police car. Twice. <laughs> Joyce quickly flees. Uh, and we return to Willow. Oh, that's forever. You know what? Again, like I said, it's not my favorite episode, but the anticipation of Buffy at home talking to her mom about and finding out about her and Giles. Perfect. And then later on again. So perfect. Like a stevedore. Yes. So, yeah. So so Jane made sure this scene went in. It made sure Buffy confirmed for everyone at home that, yes, Joyce and Giles had sex. On the police car. Because twice. apparently, I guess, on the message boards and stuff, some people still were going back and forth about whether they did or not. And, and Jane was very confused about why people were confused about this. I, and and this, this is forever one of the reasons why I will forever love Jane, where she was just like, oh, no. Oh, oh, no, I need to make sure that all of you people know that they did indeed have sex exactly. on that police car. I mean, and and in a lot of cases, creators and, and writers would leave it up to the audience. But I love the fact that she just wanted to be flat out. Oh, no, they did. Anyway, Willow has narrowed the list down to a dozen strong suspects. She hands each person a list of people to question. Though at first I was like, these lists look far too long. There were 12 suspects and four of them. So they were, so if they were truly personalized lists, they should have only had three names on them. But okay, I digress. Yes. Cordelia thinks she should work with Wesley, <clears throat> which of course Sander has an opinion on. Mm-hmm. Leads to Willow telling them to shut up. She's sorry, but this is important. Talk to everyone on the list and use the sample questions. Okay, maybe that's why there's so much text because they're sample questions. They're sam- yes, yes, that's the, that's what it is. 
when no one moves, she does a to date people, suing them out before telling them to write neatly and label their worksheets. Then we're on to the first interrogation. Willow and Jonathan, which we, we all know how that went last time. So mm-hmm. she questions him about fantasies, saying they all have them. Fantasies where they're important, respected, where people pay attention to them. Which I love that Willow brings this all up because this line of thinking is ultimately going to play into next season's superstar episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, though, fantasy isn't enough. Sometimes they have to make people pay attention, don't they? He understands, right? Uh, yeah. She wants him to pay attention. While Willow's with Jonathan, Oz is with the basketball players telling them that the questions are for the yearbook. Okay, can he ask Mm -hmm. the question again? Does he sometimes feel like he's forced to put on this persona, the guy who does everything right? And how much stress is that causing him? A a moderate amount? (laughs) Is that good? He wants to get this right. Nadina says, yeah, yeah, that's good. Cordelia goes to talk to Mr. Beach and she's not been seen any words. Is he planning on killing a bunch of people tomorrow? It's for the yearbook. (laughs) And Xander, Xander has lost all focus. Oh. And is asking a bunch of girls about their turn-ons and turn-offs. Of course. Oz goes to the newspaper room to find Freddy, but fails to do so. Because Freddy is hiding under the desk to avoid <laughs> Oz. Oz does note the newspaper on the walls, though. The kind of depressing headlines about failures in the school and how no one really cares about anything. Freddy, Freddy just needs to go to, like, slam poetry night or something. Yes, he does. Yes, he, he does. He needs a different outlet for whatever is going on in his head like i he he's definitely got stuff going on he has a lot of feelings or he just needs to do some creative writing that night buffy stands at her window listening to all the thoughts of her neighborhood when it becomes too much she closes said window but the thoughts don't stop they just keep coming forcing buffy to put a pillow over her head in an attempt to drown them out giles and wesley are still hard at work though putting together some sort of concoction. Wesley says it seems to be coming along, but Giles is not feeling optimistic. Buffy's being driven insane. They don't know if this is going to work, and they still need the heart of the second demon, which they have no way of finding without the Slayer. Wesley tells him that negative thinking does not solve any problems. But Giles just wants to know who is going to get the demon heart. Angel, duh. (laughs) Of course. He's clearly hunted the demon down and is fighting him in the same playground that Buffy did. The two going a few rounds of hand-to-hand before the demon escapes. Angel pursuing. So, did we forget that Angel exists? (laughs) I think we sometimes do. Yeah. But I like, I do like when Giles and them do forget about Angel. And Angel has taken matters into his own hands. Okay. So at the end of Giles and Wesley's conversation, Giles calls Wesley... Bark. <laughs> this is a term derived from Cockney slang, which we will see more of next season when Ethan shows up. Mm-hmm. The Cockney term is Berkeley Hut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like you trying to uh, go through this. There are two meanings to this term, especially if you know how Cockney slang works, Mm -hmm. because it's all based on a rhyming scheme. The meaning here, when he's talking to Wesley, most people assume means silly idiot or fool. Not the other term, which is not allowed to be said on American television. (laughs) And I'm sure you can all figure out if you think about the rhyme. See you next Tuesday. There you go. <laughs> <sighs> oh, I see. I I love Cockney slang, and I am. Oh my god! I 
When I, I have re- to have someone explain it to me every time because I cannot get it, obviously, because it is not where I'm from. Oh, and, and it really is. But I love it. I love it. Like, I I absolutely love the rhyming slang because I, I love how there's it's so there's so many layers to it. Uh-huh. Like, you have to be level 20 to really understand and to go through the pattern of, okay, so we started here and this is where we ended up at. That's amazing. But yeah, I also, I also love the idea of Giles just casually calling Wesley that word. Oh yeah. And get it. And, and it also, it's also great because later on the creator will go into Firefly and Firefly does a lot with language to get away with things. As morning creeps into being, Buffy tosses and turning, Joyce sitting by her side, clearly worried. She gets up, moving to the window, and the scene changes to Sunnydale High. Another round of questions underway. Willow asking Nancy if she's ever felt paranoid or like her other classmates were spying on her. <laughs> Acting suspiciously. Not until right now. I really do love Willow's bad cop routine. Sitting with Larry, Xander says it has to be hard. Having the secret. Must fill him with a lot of resentment. Anger, just waiting to burst forth, maybe today, at lunch. Larry says, what secret? Being gay? He's out. (laughs) He's so out, his grandma is fixing him up with guys. Oh, well, good. Good for him. Larry, though, says it sounds like Xander's having a hard time with it. And so tells him to just do it. Talk to Freddie, the guy from the paper. Why? Is he gay? No. But Larry Betsy put out a nice coming out announcement for him. Something tasteful. I, I love Larry. I do. And I, I love Larry and his continual want to help Xander. Even if Xander's not actually gay and no. does not need Larry's help. But Larry is there for him if he does. And the thing, again, that I love about Larry is he is not what was 90s stereotypical. Oh, No. And he's had some amazing growth. He really has. I mean, from from the first time when we saw him, when he was such a dick, to he is so open about who he is. I, and I just love, he's like, oh no, I'm out. It's fine. E- everything's okay. I love the fact that his grandmother is setting him up. Yeah. This just, yay, Larry. Like, I love that this show never went a homophobic route. Oh no, never. You know, I mean, this this show really was ahead of its time with a lot of stuff that that they did. But, you know, and and I love that it's only in moments like this where we have the conversation about Larry being gay. Yeah. You know, and and it's and it's always it's and now it's always him trying to help Xander. Yes. He just wants Xander to be happy. He's happy. He He wants Xander to to feel what he feels. Larry. Larry is living his best life. I like to think that, you know, he survived the ascension. He does not. Oh, doesn't he? Does Larry die? I forgot about that. Well, fuck that. Uh, Because it'll, I don't know if we see it happen. We'll see when we get to graduation day. But when Amy finally comes back in season six, she's like, oh my God, prom is coming up. I'm hoping Larry will ask me. And Willow's like, okay, three things. Larry's gay. Larry's dead, and high school is no more. Oh, so we Larry. do get confirmation. So, like, I do not remember if we see it on screen. Yeah, but we do get confirmation later down the road that Larry is yeah. one of the students who died at graduation. Yeah, because it's been it's been a while since I've 
since I've watched that far. But oh man, fuck that. I know. Makes me very sad because Larry's he's doing good. Yeah. Oz, once again, tries the newspaper office, but this time it's locked. Freddy not even there. He starts to come around the corner, but quickly leaves seeing Oz. Back in the library, they all compare notes and realize Freddy is the only person they couldn't find. Cordelia frowns, but if they can't find him, how can they figure out if it's him or not? They need the worksheet, right? Sandra says they do have that day's editorial. Big game draws mindless mob. Does he mention the cheerleaders? Cordelia attempts to peek over Xander's shoulder. Because they were on fire. At Buffy's, Joyce and Giles watch as she lays in bed whimpering. Joyce hates this. She just, she keeps wondering if she's hurting her with her thoughts. Giles tells her she's not. Not anymore. She can no longer pick out any particular thought. It's all just din. A banging sounds on the door and Joyce and Giles rush to get it. It turns out Wesley came along and is already downstairs. Letting an angel who is covered by a blanket and holding a vial of neon blue liquid. He got it. He got the heart. Taking the vial upstairs, Angel places it on Buffy's nightstand before lifting her into a sitting position and forcing her to drink. Apparently the teeny, tiny sip he made her take is all they need for this to work. Of course. Because not long after Giles sets the vial... Not long after Angel sits the vial back down, Buffy begins convulsing. Angel immediately calls for Giles. Back at school, lunchtime is drawing ever nearer. As the gang crosses the courtyard, filled with several of the suspects, we zoom in on the clock tower. Inside is Jonathan, sweating, nervous, with a case containing a disassembled rifle. He opens the case and begins putting it together. Coming to, Buffy finds Angel beside her, holding her hand, and her mom, Giles, and Wesley all in her room. Immediately, Joyce goes to the bed. Is she okay? Does she hear thoughts? No, she doesn't. Did they find the killer? Oz finally catches up with Freddy in the newspaper room. Well, Oz and everyone else. Freddy says, okay, Oz finally got him. What are his friends going to do? Hold him down? Well, it says he better believe it. He can't threaten a big murder without getting them all pretty darn ticked. (laughs) Murder? What murder? They're not here about the review? What review? The one from last Thursday. Freddy grabs one of the papers and flips to the appropriate page, handing it to Oz. Dingo's Ain't My Baby plays their instruments as if they had plumped Polish sausages taped to their fingers. <laughs> Freddy apologizes, but Oz shows it off. It's fair. Freddy says he just gets a lot of hate mail, and so when he saw Oz, he thought he was coming to deliver his thoughts personally. Cordelia takes a seat on the desk, looking over some of the mail, while Xander tells Freddy <clears> that if he hears anything about a tasteful announcement from Larry, Willow cuts him off. They need to figure this out. Cordelia doesn't think it's possible. The killer could be anyone. They lose. Not exactly. Entering, Buffy says they still have a few minutes. Buffy, she's okay. Can she hear thoughts? She shakes her head and Xander, he's actually disappointed because for once he's not thinking about sex. (laughs) Buffy says they need to get Snyder to evacuate the school and hope that the killer isn't out. She stops as Cordelia begins reading one of the letters. By this time tomorrow, you'll all know what I've done. I'm sure you'll understand that I had to do it. And that although death is never easy, it's the only way. Setting it aside, Cordelia is clearly upset. Doesn't anyone write in to praise the cheerleaders? (laughs) They are so unsung. Oh, Cordy. Taking the letter, Willow scans it and finds a name at the bottom. Jonathan. She had him in her grasp. Slippery weasel. Now that they have a name, Buffy orders everyone to split up. Find him. 
while Freddie remains behind, confused. What follows next is a brief montage, the gang searching the school interspersed with scenes of Jonathan assembling the rifle. During his search, Xander gets distracted by Jello. <sighs> and Buffy manages to spot Jonathan high in the clock tower. With some impressive gymnastics, she makes her way up there. Nancy remarking that <laughs> she could have done that. Oh, Nancy. Puffy arrives right as Jonathan has loaded in the bullet. As she crashes through one of the boarded up windows, he aims the gun at her, telling her to get away from him. She asks him to maybe point that somewhere else. And he tells her not to try and stop him. No, no, she's not stopping. Just there for the view. Oh, look, City Hall. He tells her to go away, and she says it's never going to happen. Does she think he won't use the gun? She doesn't know. She just, he tells her to stop. Stop doing that. Doing what? Saying his name like they're friends. They're not friends. They all think he's an idiot. A short idiot. She doesn't. She doesn't think about him much at all. Nobody there really does. Bothers him, doesn't it? That he has all this pain, all these feelings. No one's really paying attention. Does she think he just wants attention? No, she thinks he's in the clock tower with a high-powered rifle because he wants to blend in. Believe it or not, she understands about the pain. Oh, right, because the burden of being beautiful and athletic. That's Crippler. You know what? She was wrong. He is an idiot. Her life happens to, on occasion, suck beyond the telling of it. More than she can handle. And it's not just her. Everyone down there is ignoring his pain because they're too busy dealing with their own. Beautiful ones popular ones, guys that pick on him, everyone. If he could hear what they were feeling, their loneliness, their confusion, it looks quiet down there, but it's not. It's definitely not. As they stand there together, Buffy looks at the rifle in his hands. He knows she could have taken that by now, right? He knows. She slowly reaches out a hand. they would rather do it this way. He lets her take it and she immediately takes the bullet out before setting it aside. Jonathan tells her he just wanted all of it to stop. Yeah, well, mass murder? Not really doctor recommended for that kind of pain. Besides, prison? It's a lot like high school, only Jonathan asks what she's talking about. Actions? Having consequences? That sort of stuff? Jonathan is completely taken aback. He would never hurt anyone. He came up there to kill himself. (sighs) Not anyone else. But then that means there's still a murderer on the loose. Who Xander happens to accidentally <laughs> stumble across <laughs> when he sneaks into a kitchen to grab some jello. <sighs> because right as he's about to bite into a cube, he sees the lunch lady putting rat poison into a vat of said jello. <laughs> this whole scene is so comical. He immediately drops the red confection and takes off running. The lunch lady grabbing a butcher's knife and following. As he runs through the cafeteria, Xander hits trays out of people's hands and overturns tables yelling, <laughs> rat poison. The lunch lady eventually catches up and goes to like hatchet chop him. But Buffy grabs her arm saying to just calm down. The lunch lady just calls them all vermin, saying they come in here and they eat and eat. They're filth. It's then Buffy realizes that this isn't going to be solved by logic. (laughs) She gets the knife away from the lunch lady and after a small physical altercation, knocks her unconscious. So I guess saving everyone in that cafeteria is something else Sander did. Apparently. If he hadn't started hitting trays and such, a few students might have actually eaten said jello. Yep. But Xander is the worst. Mm -hmm. I mean, Nicholas Brendan is the worst, but not Xander. (laughs) For our final scene, we're back at Sunnydale High. Willow and Buffy arriving to school the next morning. So Buffy feels better about Angel? Well, they talked. And then he ripped out the heart of a demon and fed it to her. 
And then they talk some more. See, Willow says that's how it should work. As Giles joins them, Willow heads off to the yearbook office. She's going to go give them the murder profiles. They're actually a really good read. (laughs) As the two of them walk together, Giles asks how she is, and she says she's loving the quiet and the fact that there's no one in her head but her. And Jonathan, how is he? Pretty crappy. His parents are freaking. He got suspended and bringing a piece to school. Not exactly the way to win over the in crowd. But she thinks he's stealing. Giles says it's good of her to check on him. Well, it's nice to be able to help someone in a non-slaying capacity. Except, you know, he's starting to get that look like he's going to ask her to prom. Giles points out that it would probably be good for his self-esteem if she... Oh, come on! (laughs) What is she, St. Buffy? He's like three feet tall! (laughs) Giles is glad to see she's recovered from her psychic encounter more or less intact. Is she up for some training? Sure. (laughs) They can work on it after school. If he's not too busy having sex with her mother. She walks off and Giles walks into a tree as the screen fades to black. (laughs) Note, Giles walking into a tree was not in the script. And that was a last minute decision made by Anthony. Yep. The end. That was. I think the best part of that ending is the two guys who are coming behind them and overheard everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this is uh this is a pretty odd episode. Yeah. I mean, it's a good episode. It's very well written. There's a nice balance of drama and comedy, but given the real world elements it pulls from, it it is a very heavy episode. And it's a very odd episode. Mm-hmm. I do think the underlying message is a good one that no one has it all together. Everyone is going through something and you can't always judge someone by the facade they show the world yeah yeah I always and this is this is something that I've I've fought with people for for so many years is you see people who are having a rough time and somebody is like oh well what do they have to be what what you know they have everything and and this is something that anytime a celebrity yeah you know unfortunately you know loses their struggles you see oh well they're they're rich they have like why are they like having money and looking like you have it all together doesn't mean that you don't struggle. Mental illness doesn't have a, doesn't care about who you are. So yeah. But yeah, like, and I do feel, I definitely do feel for Jonathan. I always get sad, especially like after this episode and the prom Mm -hmm. and like superstar. And I mean, it might just be that Danny had gone on to like writing and directing at that point. But I'm really sad that it's like Andrew that joins the group and not Jonathan. Yeah. Because Jonathan had been there since the beginning. Yeah. But again, I don't know if that's because Danny had gone on to like the next level of his career and couldn't be around Mm -hmm. for all of season seven or. Yeah. But the one thing I mean, I I always loved how you always see Jonathan. Oh, yeah. Jonathan's always there. Yeah. And I and I love and I love Danny. Like I I recently just got finished watching uh, the series Justified. And he showed up in that as a corrections officer. And it was just, okay, and first of all, first of all, he looks exactly the same as he did oh, in he the does. 90s. He, he looks absolutely the same. He looks he looks like a small child. He still looks <sighs> exactly the same. And he's, you know, he's playing this dickhead corrections officer. But it was just so exciting to see him just, yeah, Danny, Danny is a delight. That's it for this week. Thank you all for listening and make sure you join us next time when we take on season three, episode 19, Choices. Until then, check out our various social media channels, all of which will be listed in the show notes. 
And if you like the show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or write to us directly at thewatchersdiaries at gmail.com. Bye! Bye!